and uh, hope that you avail yourself to those those times. It's great to be able to study the Word of God, and that's what we do. We have a study time in here with the adults, and we have some for all of our different kids and the young people at, the, at that same time period. Uh, Genesis chapter number 46, very first book of the Bible. The word Genesis means beginning. Genesis chapter number 46, beginning with verse number 1, it says, And Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, Here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring, uh, bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for the promise that you've given to us to always go with us and to be with us and help us. And Father, how important that is for us as Christians. And Lord, today I pray that you would be with me as I preach thy word. Lord, your word is so precious and so important. Lord, the message here is so important for each of us to, re to realize that our God who created us is there to strengthen us and help us, and we need not fear. Father, I pray today for your power and your strength, and Lord, pray that you give me your words we pray, Lord, for those that are uh, away from us today. I think of the Rileys as they are uh, with relatives. Pray for them. And, Lord, I pray for those who are ill today. I pray, God, for your strength and help. I pray for the Preems today, our missionaries in the Ukraine. I pray, God, that you'd get them out safe, safely. And pray for the believers there in that, that uh, portion of the, uh, the world. Pray, God, for uh, them to be uh, lights in the midst of a, a challenging time. And for each of our missionaries today, Father, I pray that you'd bless them and give them your peace and strength. Father, we thank you and praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen. The God of the Bible is an omnipotent God. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, And when Abraham was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. 99 years old, you can still trust God. He is the almighty God. The word almighty there is the Hebrew word El Shaddai, the most powerful. 40, uh, 48 times that word El Shaddai is used in the Old Testament. God is the all-powerful God. Revelation chapter 19, verse 6, it says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the voice of many waters, as, and the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth, omnipotent, all-powerful, omni. We used to have an omni, and it wasn't all-powerful. Uh, you know, it was a little four-banger, and it was, you know, it, 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 it got us from, one, from point A to point B, uh, but... Uh, it was not all-powerful. Our God is all-powerful. He's an all-powerful God. The Bible says in Luke 137, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Aren't you glad that the mountains uh, that you've got are not impossible for God to overcome? Uh, like that little chorus, um, uh, 
Do you have any mountains you think are uncrossable? Any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible. And he can do what no other can do. You know, that's what God is. He's the God of the impossible. He's also a God that's an uh, omnipresent God. He's an omnipresent God. Deuteronomy 4.39 says, Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath, and there is none else. In heaven, earth, there is no other God, and there is only one true God. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 139. Psalm 139. Middle of your Bible is Psalms, as we said. Not Psalm 139, verse number 7. You can put a little marker here because we'll be coming back to this in just a few minutes. But Psalm 139, verse number 7, the psalmist, is, psalmist David is saying, he says, whether shall I go from thy spirit or whether shall I flee from thy presence? You know, some people, they try to get away from God. They think if I just go far enough away in the United States, I can get away from God. Guess what? This is exactly what David is trying to say. You know, where am I going to flee? How am I going to, where can I go to get away from God? Well, he says, if I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. If, if I take my wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and darkness and light are both alike to thee. May I share with you, and you think about getting away from God. Sometimes people say, well, if I just go into a dark place, I can get away from God. God can't see me in the darkness. God is there. Folks, can I tell you something? As a Christian, uh, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you, and you take him wherever you may go. You say, well, Pastor, I go into the casinos, and I, I gamble in the casinos. Can I tell you something? You take God into that, that wicked place. Uh, you go into the bars and the nightclubs, can I tell you something? You take God into that wicked place. Uh, you don't leave God outside. He goes there. He, is, he sees all that's going on. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 15, 3, it says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. God sees everything. Jeremiah 23, 24, Can any hide himself in the secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? You can't hide from God because God is everywhere. Not only is God an omnipotent God, he's also an omnipresent God, but he's also an omniscient God. Omni and shint, that lasso part, deals with science. He's all-knowing. He's a God who's all-knowing. God knows the end from the beginning. Oh, people say, Pastor, I tell you what, I can't come to church tonight because I've got to go to the Super Bowl and watch Super Bowl. Can I tell you something? God already knows the end. He already knows who's going to win. He knows all about the game. You say, well, how can he? They haven't played it yet. Well, let me just tell you something. He knows the end from the beginning because he's God. He knows the path that each of us will take. He knows the joys and the sorrows that we must face. He knows the challenges and the struggles that we will have to endure. Job said in Job 23.10, but he, talking of God, knoweth the way that I take and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He knoweth the way that I take. You know, at home, uh, one of the things that we do in our home is we let others, the other members of our house know where we're going. 
You say, well, why is that? Well, if something happens, uh, you know, at least know where to start looking. So people say, well, you know what? I don't do that in my house. Well, you know, it puts people's minds at, at rest a little bit when they know where to go look for you if you're, if you're not home in a certain time. You know, the new, uh, one of the new tech gadgets that's out and has been out for a while is people, uh, they put GPS uh, little uh, things in, in older people's shoes because, you know, sometimes older people get out, they start wandering around, they don't, they don't remember how to get back home. Well, they can just put on their GPS and they can find it. Your phones, how many have your phones today? By the way, please turn them off. Amen. Um, but your, G, your phones have GPS. People can track where you are and see where you are. But may I share with you, God doesn't need GPS to know where you are today. He knows exactly where you are today. In this portion of scripture that we were reading in Genesis 46, Jacob, or Israel, has just found out that his son Joseph, who he thought was dead, is alive, and he's preparing to leave the land of Canaan and go down to Egypt and he's going to, to leave the land that he has known for many years and go down to this place here and see his son once again. You know, it's not always easy for us to face change. It's not. It makes some people feel uneasy. It might even strike a note of fear, a fear of the unknown. What's going to happen next? But God comes in this portion of Scripture and to encourage Jacob's heart. The title of the message today is simply this, God knows. God knows. And regardless of the path that you are on today, God is there to see you through the trial that you're going through. God is there. You say, well, Pastor, God knows what? God knows our name. As we look at this portion of Scripture, the first thing we notice, God knows our name. Look at verses 1 and 2 back in Genesis 46. And Israel took his journey with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Jacob, or excuse me, Isaac. And God said unto Israel in the visions of the night, and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. You know, before the Bible was completed, in John the Apostle's time, the book of Revelation, uh, God revealed his word through various means. In fact, in Sunday school, we're looking, starting to look at this idea. How can we trust that this is the Bible? There's a lot of other books, a lot of things that people have, and they say, well, this is the Bible. Well, we can trust that this is the word of God. And God reveals his truth. He reveals things to us through his word. You, don't, you can't understand about God apart from the word of God. About the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to reveal the Father. But may I share with you, how do we know about Jesus Christ? Anybody feel like they're 2,000 years old? Now, my children growing up, they thought that I was that old. I mean, you know, I was there with Noah. They said, well, how was it with Noah and the ark? I wasn't quite there then. Uh, but can I share with you, the word of God reveals to us the truth. It reveals to us what God is like and who Jesus is and how God feels and how we're to, to rear our children and how we're to live our life and what pleases God and what does not please God. The Bible is the key. Your faith is built upon knowing and understanding the Word of God. You say, I want to be a strong Christian. You need to get in and study the Word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. As you and I, as we study the Word of God, we will know what the truth is. 
And you and I, we can understand more of our God. And here, as we come to this portion of Scripture and we think about this, God, before the, the Scriptures were complete, God would sometimes speak or declare His truth through angels. Remember Gabriel, when he came to Mary and told her that she was going to have a son? An angel came and he told her, came down in a, a human form and talked with her and told her. Could you imagine how that would have been? Uh, you say, well, pastor, I think I've seen angels unaware. And the Bible talks about that in Hebrews chapter 13, about being careful to, enter, to, to uh, be hospitable, hospitable to people because some have entertained angels unaware. And I, how I've seen some of you drive, I know that there's been an angel been around you someplace to protect you as you've been driving. But sometimes God uses angels to declare his truth, like he did Gabriel. At other times, God would audibly speak. Remember in Matthew chapter 3, at the baptism of Jesus Christ, and the Bible says that God spoke from heaven, said at the, when Jesus was baptized, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father was putting his stamp of approval on his son, and people heard the voice from heaven. At other times... The Holy Spirit would just uh, uh, give people, holy men of God, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed. God spoke to those people, those prophets, those different uh, individuals, the apostles, as they wrote, and they wrote down what God told them to write. And still, at other times, God used visions and dreams. Numbers chapter 12, verse 6, it says, And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, God is speaking, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and will speak unto him in a dream. Sometimes people would have a dream and God would speak to them through a dream. The scriptures that we have just read, we're just reading right here that God is revealing to Jacob in a dream. Look what it says in verse number 2. It says, And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night in a dream and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, Here am I. This place, as he's come to Beersheba, is an important, port, uh, an important place in the scriptures. This place, uh, we find Abraham, Jacob's grandfather, worshiping God in this place called Beersheba. Go to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21 and verse 33. Genesis chapter 21, just back a little bit. Genesis chapter 21, verse 33. It's good to hear the, the ruffling of your pages. You say, Pastor... I just want to sit and listen. You know, when you see things on a page, you remember them more than just sitting and hearing. The Bible is important. This is God's word. This is God's love letter. But this is also God's instruction manual for you. Uh, somebody has put it this way. The Bible is it's basic instruction before leaving earth. An acrostic there for you. Basic instruction. This is the Bible that helps you to know what God says and what God thinks. Here in Genesis chapter 21 and verse number 33, notice what it says. And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Here uh, in Genesis chapter 21, verse number 33, that uh, Abraham, he 
uh, worshipped God. He called there upon the name of the Lord. Notice also this place of Beersheba, God was revealing himself to Isaac. Isaac. You have Abraham. And then you have Isaac. In Genesis chapter 26, this place of Beersheba, once again, is important. Chapter 26, verse 23. Genesis chapter 26, verse 23. Talking about uh, Isaac here. And he went up from thence to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he builded an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. May I share with you that this place of Beersheba was a, a place where God met with people. At this place called Beersheba, he met with Abraham. He met with Isaac. And now in this portion of scripture back in Genesis chapter 46, he meets with Jacob in this place called Beersheba. Interesting. And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here am I. You know, of all the people that were in the world at this time, God knew Jacob by name. It's hard to understand how that God could remember our name. All the people that are around us. How many have a problem remembering people's names? Um, you know, you say, oh, pastor, one of the, one of the girls uh, brought a guest this morning, and, and uh, I introduced myself, and she introduced herself, and can I tell you something right now for the life of me? That name is gone. She told me, what, what is it? Graceland, there you go, Graceland. I need some help. Amen. How many need some help? Amen. You need some help. You know, I, that's why I've got my, I, 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 when a person gives me a name many times, I'll write it down on my, on, my tel, on my phone so I'll remember their name, and I'll say their name. I try to say it over, and I, I've used this illustration before. I was trying to remember names of people <coughs> in our church in California, and that I was told at that time, you know, it's easier to remember things by association. So if you have, if you have one thing, uh, you can associate, you, you can kind of, it locks it into your mind. And we had a gentleman come in our church. His name was Steve. And uh, so I was trying to remember his name. And he, Steve had a, had a big, full beard, Brother Dalen. He had a big, full beard, kind of like yours. And uh, so I, I said, okay, I've got to remember. I've got to, to associate. And I would use his name. I used it several times in the course of the day and, and use his name, Steve. And, and so I'm associated. <coughs> Somehow in the, my brain, it got locked in. Uh, beard, Harry. <laughs> so the next time I saw him at church, he said, hi, Harry. And, and I just, where did that come from? Where did that come from? That association didn't work too well. Yeah, it didn't work too well. So, but uh, you know what? God knows our name. God knows our name. When we were in college, it was just when computers were starting to come out and they were trying to be more efficient. And so when we'd, we'd get to, get to uh, go to Sunday school class, you had to go and you had to check in with this person at the table because they wanted to make sure that, that people were going to Sunday school. Isn't that sad? In a Bible college, you have to tell people that they have to go to Sunday school and they had to check in to make sure that they were in Sunday school and they were at church and you had to sign, you had to check in to make sure. How sad 
you know what? The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's a time to worship our God. We ought to want to go to the house of God. We ought to want to be in God's house every time the doors are open. And, you know, God wants us to be in his house. It's a place where we meet together and we worship here. But one of the things that they did at that, at the, the, that college, uh, they were using the computer, so they, would, they said, well, we're going to give you a number. And so when you would co go in, you would not give them your name. You would give them your number. How impersonal is that? And they would check off your number on the, on the list. Well, that's more efficient. You've got all those numbers. You know what? My God knows me by name. He knows you by name. When he called to Jacob, of all the people in the world, he knew exactly where, God was, or where Jacob was. He knew exactly his name. He wasn't stumbling around. He knew exactly. A burglar broke one day into a house, and as he was stealing the valuables, he heard the voice out of the darkness said, Jesus is watching you. All of a sudden, boy, he got kind of a little nervous on that one, but he thought, no big problem. He, see, he began to, to tremble a little bit, but he was, you know, no, no big deal. Just thought somebody was kind of playing a joke on him. After a few moments, guess what he heard again? Jesus is watching you. He heard the noise. It was coming from a little corner of the room, and he, he thought, well, that's kind of strange. And as he came over, as he, as he was still getting more stuff, he heard that voice again. It says, Jesus is watching you. In the corner, he saw this birdcage. So he pulled the cover off of the birdcage, and here is a parrot that was sitting in the corner of this, uh, in the corner of this, this room. And uh, so he was just kind of a little frustrated with this bird, and he said, what's your name? And the bird responded back, my name is Moses. The thief looked at him a second, he said, who was that weird person that, that called, a, uh, called, you, uh, called a parrot Moses? The parrot replied, the same kind of weird person that would name a Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> Folks, may I share with you? God knows our name, doesn't he? Praise God. God is not an impersonal God. He knows you by name. He knows you this morning. He knows you. He knows our name. He is interested in us. He cares about us. You are important to God. Sometimes we wonder if anyone knows who we are or if anyone cares. When we come to God in prayer, He doesn't ask, like we do many times on the phone, who is this speaking? He knows who we are. Of all the billions of people that are on the planet today, and when people all around the world are praying this morning, God knows them by name. He knows their needs. He knows their heart's desire. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12, verse number 6. Luke chapter 12 and verse 6. Jesus is speaking here. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. May I share with you that even the sparrows that fall 
falls to the ground, the Lord knows the sparrows. When our little dog, Tucker, goes out and he likes these bushes because these bushes, a lot of times the birds are in the bushes. And he runs back and forth because they just dart back and forth between the bushes. He's trying to catch all, the, all these little sparrows and they, they just run him all over the place. Uh, can I tell you something? There's, there's a whole bunch of sparrows. We've got a bunch of them in our pine trees. They're just in there. There's not a sparrow that falls to the ground that the Lord doesn't know. Folks, sometimes we have a hard time remembering anything. But our God remembers everything. And he says, I want you to understand that you're more important than many sparrows. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. You're important to God. Go back to Psalm 139. Remember I told you to put a little marker there. Psalm 139. David, in the first part of this portion, we read the, kind of the last little portion, Psalm 139. You, you want to know how important you are to God? Psalm 139, David says this, O Lord, beginning with verse 1, Thou hast searched me and known, known me. God knows you. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows all about you. He knows your fears. He knows the challenges that you're facing. He says, Thou knowest my downsittings and mine uprisings. When you sit down, when you sat down today here at Galilee Baptist Church, God knew you're sitting down, and He knows when you're getting up. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. In other words, God knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking before you even think those things. That's why it's so amazing to me when Jesus would talk to people on the earth. Jesus was God. He was God in the flesh. And when he would talk with people, he, would, he knew what they were thinking before the words ever came out of their mouth. When I was in high school, I, I was uh, in debating class, and we would try to anticipate what people would say, and we'd have these file boxes of materials that would deal with the, whatever topic we were dealing with at the time. And when we'd think about, well, they're getting ready to say this, or they're getting ready to say this. And so we'd flip through and pull out the material to be able to defend our case or to, to destroy their case. But may I share with you, when you're talking about Jesus, Jesus knew exactly what people were thinking. And so when he spoke many times, he just, instead of letting them kind of go through the chase and, and, and kind of put up all the false things, he would just cut through the chase and get right to the point. Why? Because he knew their thoughts. Psalmist here, David says, Lord, you know my thoughts afar off. Thou compass my path and my lying down. Thou art acquainted with all my ways. You know what? The Lord Jesus Christ is acquainted with all your ways. When you get out of this place and you, you get into your car, you go home, can I tell you something? The Lord is acquainted with all your place. He knows all the dark places you go to. He knows all the places on the computer that you go to, the places on your cell phone. You think nobody knows. He knows about the friends you're hanging with. He knows about all those things. He knows about the good places you go. He knows all about all of that stuff. There is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon, him, upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain unto it. May I share with you, there's, God knows everything about us. God knows everything about us. God knows our name. May I share with you that God not only knows our name, but God also knows our fears. God knows our fears. Look at verse number 3, back there in Genesis chapter 46. Genesis 46 and verse number 3. 
Notice what it says. As God is speaking here to, Moses, or to, uh, to Jacob, to Israel, in chapter 46 and verse 3, he said, And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Notice, fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. Jacob seems to have had some fear in his heart about going down to Egypt. You know, it's not easy to leave your friends and the things that you have known all of your life and move to a new location. Someone has said this, remember that everyone you meet is afraid of something. Everyone you, you meet is afraid of something. Some people will put on that t-shirt, uh, no fear. That's not true. Everyone has a fear of something. Have a fear of something. We may be fearful of making the wrong choice in life. And so we make none at all. We need to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. Some people are fearful of what he might ask them to do. And so they don't make a decision for Jesus Christ. Well, what is Jesus going to ask me to do if I, ask, if I give him my life? They, they're fearful. Some people are afraid of taking a step of faith. For example, if I give you the illustration to tithe. How in the world, as God has told me to tithe, to give a tenth of what belongs to him, that what he's given to me, I'm to give a tenth back, how will I be able to make it if I give one-tenth to God when I, I can't make it right now with ten-tenths? Look at Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 8. The Bible tells us, and while you're turning to Malachi, it's the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is believing that something is so, even though it isn't so, so God can make it so. When, we, when God commands for us to do something, we just need to do it and believe what God has said he will do. Malachi chapter 3, in verse number 8, it says, Will a man rob God? Interesting question. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. The nation of Israel had robbed God. And the people came back and they say, But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? How did they rob God? Well, he tells them, In tithes and offerings. A tithe, the tenth that God had provided for them, they were supposed to give that unto the Lord. And may I share with you, a tithe is not what you give to the IRS. One gentleman I, I was uh, <clears throat> acquainted with, he says, well, you know what, I don't tithe. He says, because I believe, that, I believe that my tithe is what I give to the IRS for the running of our government. Because the tithing, the tithe was uh, to take care of the uh, you know, the Levites and that type of stuff, and that was the government that, that God established. Uh, you know what? That's wrong thinking. That's not true. Abraham gave a tithe before there was any priests. A tithe belonged to the Lord. Uh, in fact, that was the first time that we find mentioned when Abraham gave tithes of all that he had after coming back from a battle. He gave a tithe unto the Lord. <coughs> he says they had robbed God in tithes and offerings. He says you are cursed with a curse. For he have robbed me, even this whole nation. The whole nation had robbed God. You say, well, pastor, it was just one person. No, no, the whole nation had robbed God. Notice verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. 
And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, and there shall not be room enough to receive it. God says, if you will just come and tithe, and you will bring, as I said, the tithes and the offerings to the storehouse. You say, what was the storehouse? It was the place of worship. They would come to the storehouse, the place of worship, and they would bring their tithes, and God, it would take care of God's needs of his house, and it showed their worth, uh, their value for God. <coughs> because they had not done that, God said, as you read back there in verse number 9, you're cursed with a curse. You say, well, pastor, what was the curse? We see it in verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and ye shall not destroy, he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. What was happening? Well, they were, they were sowing and they were, they were putting things in the ground and all of a sudden somebody would come and take away that which they had hoped was going to provide for their needs. The devourer. Notice something else. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord. What was happening? Well, the, 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 vine, the, the grapes were on, the, on the, the vine and they were ready to pick them and before they could pick them, they would fall to the ground and rot. Well, that was bad luck. No, no, that was the judgment of God. And they were under the curse of God. And God says, you know what? You can turn that around by bringing all the tithes to the storehouse. People say, well, I just don't see how God can take care of me, how God will take care of that. Turn with me to another verse. Go to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 9. Remember, God says, if you bring the tithes to the storehouse, I'll, give, I'll open you the, the windows of heaven and give you a blessing that you cannot uh, be able to contain it says the same thing in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Notice verse 10. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. It's amazing. When people try to rob God and keep back which rightfully belongs to God and they're having a hard time financially, They'll say, well, you know what? I just don't understand how it's, I'm having this hard time financially. Let me ask you the question. Are you tithing? Well, pastor, I can't afford to. You can't afford not to. John D. Rockefeller was asked if he tithed to God. How many have heard of John D. Rockefeller? He was one of the richest men in the United States. And he, uh, Rockefeller said, yes, I tithe, and I would like to tell you how it all came about. He said, I had begun to work as a small boy to help support my mom. My first wage that he had received was $1.50 per week. He came and gave that $1.50, he brought it home to his mom, and he laid it in her lap. And she, he said she explained to me that it would make her so happy if she would tithe, if he would tithe the tenth to the Lord. He said, you know what? I did from that week forward. I gave a tithe of every dollar God entrusted to me. He went on to say, if I had not tithed the first dollar, I, the, he said, I would not have tithed the first million dollars that I made. He says, tell your readers to train the children to tithe and they will grow up to be faithful stewards of the Lord. You know, we live in a day when, well, you know, children, we give you, we give you uh, allowance. Can I tell you something, young people? Of your allowance that comes in, a tenth of it belongs to the Lord. You say, well, pastor, I get birthday money. Can I tell you something? Your birthday money, a tithe, belongs to the Lord. 
You say, well, pastor, you know, wait a minute. That, that's a gift. That, I don't have to tithe off that. You don't have to. You get to. You get to. W.L. Douglas, the shoe manufacturer, is nationally known. From his early struggling years, Mr. Douglas had been unemployed so long that he, he went down to his, first, to his last dollar. Of that last dollar, he said, you know, God had laid it upon his heart to give 50 cents of that, first, that last dollar to the Lord. The next morning, he decided, you know, I've got to go to another town because there's no jobs in this town. I'm going to go to another town, a neighboring town. And the, the railroad fare to get to that next town was, guess what? One dollar. At least this is where he had heard about a job was in a, actually a couple, couple places down. And our thinking would say, well, you know what? It was foolish for me to give 50 cents when I could have kept that whole dollar and I could have got it from here to there. But what he did is he got his 50 cents and he went to the railroad and he got a ticket for 50 cents and that, that ticket took him to the next town. This other town where he heard of a job was a couple towns down. But he went to this town. That's as far as he could go. And he, he walked into town and he found that there was a job that was available there in town. The job that he found there in that town, um, within 30, 30 minutes he was hired. And the salary that he got there was $5 more a week than he would have received if he had gone to that farther town. You say, well, pastor, wasn't that lucky? Look, I tell you something, you honor God and God will honor you. You honor God with your life. You honor God with your substance. You honor God and put him first in your life and God will honor you. There's an ambitious young man. He came to his pastor and he promised God. He said, I will give a tithe of my income. He said, would you please be willing to pray with me? So the, the pastor and the man began to pray and, and, and that God would bless his career. At the time, the man was only making $40 a week. So he tithed $4 off of the $40 a week. A few years went by and now his income had increased and his tithing was $500 a week. That's what he was giving to the Lord, $500 a week. He called up his pastor and he said this, now, can I be released from my, uh, <clears throat> from my tithing promise? Uh, it's too costly for me to give now, that amount. The pastor replied, he said, you know what? Uh, I, I don't see how that you can be released from your promise, but we can ask God to reduce your income back to $40 a week so that you'll have, you'll have that same desire to give it $4. May I share with you? Some people are afraid to step out in faith and believe that God will until you step out in faith and trust God, how can God show himself strong on your behalf? Some people are afraid to serve the Lord in some capacity to teach a Sunday school class or to drive the van to pick up people for church and Sunday school or to go soul winning. They're afraid. Or to become a missionary or to go to Bible college. Isaiah was not afraid. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 8, the Bible says in the picture of the vision, if you would, is Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and he was there in heaven. And he asked a question in verse number 8, who shall we send and who will go for us? Isaiah said, here am I, send me. 
He didn't even know what God wanted him to do, except that God needed somebody to go and to speak to the people. He said, I'm willing to go. Some people are afraid of turning over the control of their life to the Lord. What would God require of me to do? What would He have me to give up? What would it, what would he, where would He send me? Some people are afraid of the future, what the future may hold. Some of you today, that's where you are. You're afraid of the future. What's the future going to hold? Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Our nation today, have, we have a lot of fearful people. And I'm not talking about unsaved people, or unsaved people, the lost. I understand. But can I tell you something? We got a lot of Christians that are running in fear. They're living in fear. We've been listening to the news long enough, folks. And we have become fearful people. We're afraid to do anything for God because of the fear that has is, that is gripped our nation. We've listened to the world and what the world has to say. And you ought to be afraid. That's what the world says. Well, let me just tell you something. Here's a verse that you and I, that we need to realize. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. As Paul is talking to Timothy, his son in the faith, who has a fear He's been living for God and it's become a very difficult time. He was a troubleshooter that would go into churches and help straighten them out. And Paul comes to Timothy and he says this in 2 Timothy 1.7. He says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, of timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Folks, I'm here today to tell you that fear hath torment. There's a lot of people today that are tormented because they have a fear. They have a fear of the stock market collapsing. They have a fear of the, of the COVID virus. They have a fear of all sorts of things. They have a fear of what China and Russia are going to do. Can I tell you something? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We don't need to fear when we're following the Lord. He will never lead us astray. He will never tell us to do the wrong thing. When we follow Him, we need not fear. He has our best interest at heart. I think of a familiar portion of Scripture, and many of us have learned it when we were growing up, is Psalm chapter 23. Psalm 23 is one of the most beloved psalms, in fact, when people pass away, many times people will put Psalm 23 as a, a comfort on the back of a, a little brochure on the inside. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, David's hope and David's comfort was in God. His God who knew his name. His God who knew his fears. God knew how to comfort those fears and calm the heart. Let me ask you today, are you fearful? The Lord knows your fears. Why not talk to Him about your fears? Isaiah 26, verse number 3, Thou wilt keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind 
is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You know, you can trust in God today. He's not going to lead you astray. He's going to do what's best for you. I want you to see the last thing dealing with what God knows. God knows how to meet our needs. Go back to uh, Genesis chapter 46 once again and look at verse number 3 and verse 4. Genesis 46 verse 3. He knew Jacob's name. Verse number 3, it says, And he said, I am, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will, I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. Consider God's promises. Hey, I will make of you a great nation. Jacob, you're going down to Egypt. You're leaving all your security behind. Hey, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go down to Egypt with you. J Jacob, you're not alone. You're not alone. And I will surely bring thee up again. You know what? We may not be able to see beyond today, but we can trust in our God who sees the end from the beginning. As we follow His will, He will provide for our needs. Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He's talked about clothing. He's talked about our food, the things that we need. God will take care of those things. Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Folks, today I'm here today to tell you, you can trust in God. You can trust in God. Are you trusting the Lord today? Have you given Him first place in your life? Oh, well, you know, I believe in God. Yeah, there's a difference between believing God and trusting God. We trust in Him for salvation because there is no, neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You must trust in Jesus Christ in order to go to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me putting your trust and faith in Jesus. He died, he was buried, and rose again. He shed his blood to pay for your sin. You say, well, I believe that. I ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior. As many as receive him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. But let me ask you, are you trusting him for the rest of your life? Are you trusting him for the rest of your life? Have you given him first place in your life? He knows your needs. He knows you. Do you have some fears in your life? Realize that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I like what Psalm 27, verse 1, David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 56, verse 3, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What time you're afraid? Are you trusting in the Lord? Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Ah, you're right there. I don't know what I'm going to do. You're not trusting in the Lord. You're trusting in yourself. You know, when you're trusting in yourself, God says, don't put your confidence in man. Don't put confidence in yourself. You need to put your confidence and your trust in the Lord. Don't forget that you're important to the Lord, folks. He knows you by name. He cares about you. He knows the path that you're on right now and the things that you're facing. Why not depend and lean upon Him 
on this one who loves you so much. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we realize that you know. You know our name, you know our fears, and you know how to provide for our needs. God, I pray today that as we stop and as we think about this in our own heart and life right now, you know whether we're saved or whether we're lost. You know whether we have asked Jesus Christ to be our Savior or whether we are still lost and have never made that decision in our life. Father, right now I pray for those that are here in the auditorium as well as those that are listening by the Internet. Father, I pray that if there's one without Jesus Christ, that they would realize that, Lord, you desire for them to have a relationship with you. That's why Jesus Christ came to, to give his life so that our sins would be forgiven and that we would have a home in heaven and be able to have fellowship with you forever. But Father, we can't have that fellowship unless we receive Jesus, your Son. He that hath the Son hath life. If we have Jesus, we have you. But if we reject your Son, Jesus, we don't have you. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, let me ask you this searching question. Do you have Jesus Christ as your Savior? Well, Pastor, you know what? I've, I've been a pretty moral person. You're not going to go to heaven. You don't have Jesus Christ because a moral person is a person who's dependent upon his own righteousness. All of our righteousness are his filthy rags. Well, Pastor, you know what? Uh, what will people think if I ask Jesus to be my Savior? I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you ask Jesus to be your Savior, there will be rejoicing because people have been praying for you. The Bible says there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. One sinner that comes to Jesus Christ, that sinner that comes to know Christ as their Savior, there's rejoicing in heaven. Don't worry about what other people think. You ought to realize God wants a relationship with you, and you cannot have a relationship with God until you have Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the starting place. Have you asked Jesus to be your Savior this morning? If not, let me encourage you to do so right now. In the quietness of your heart right now, God says you are a sinner. You've sinned just like I have. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin, the price of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God commended his love toward you and that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. He died for your sin. He took the punishment that was rightfully yours and took it upon himself when he died on that cross and shed his blood. And he paid the price. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. And what you must do is to receive that gift right now. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When you pray and you ask Christ to come into your heart and you say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. Please save me today. I want to turn from my sin and turn to Jesus. He will save you today, my friend. See, see, you, that sounds very simple. It's exactly the way that God made it so that we could all be saved. Children and young people and adults, no matter how old you are, you can be saved today by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let me encourage you to pray that prayer right now. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. Please come into my life and save me today.
I accept Jesus as my Savior. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer and you meant that right now, would you do me a favor to slip your hand up for just a moment with no one looking around? If you prayed that prayer, it's the most important prayer that you could ever pray. Maybe as you're listening by the internet today, you say, Pastor, I, Pastor Walker, I prayed that prayer. I asked Jesus to be my Savior. Let me encourage you. On the bottom of your screen, there's, there's a, a way that you can contact us at the church and just let us know that you prayed and asked Christ to be your Savior. We'd like to rejoice with you and pray for you. Folks, salvation is important. Dear Christian, let me ask you a question. Maybe you, today you're facing some, some uh, difficult situation, situations in your life. You got some fear in there. And you need God to have to give him, give you his peace today. You say, Pastor, please just pray for me. Pray for me today. If you're like that, would you slip your hand up? Is there anyone like that? Yes. Hands all over. Yes. Amen. You're not alone. I have those same type of things. And I, I need to pray for God. I want to pray for you so you can pray for me as well. Dear Father, we pray for these hands that have been raised today. You know the challenges that they're facing. And God, I pray right now that your hand would be upon them and meet their need today. Show yourself strong in their behalf. Calm their fears. And give them strength. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do in advance because you're a great God. We love you now. And in this time of invitation, if, if there's folk that have uh, received Christ as their Savior, I pray they'd have boldness to come forward. And Lord, I pray for those that have never been baptized since they've been saved. The first step of obedience once a person saved is to be baptized. Lord, perhaps there's some today that have, that have uh, said, you know what, I haven't been tithing. And Lord, you've spoken to their heart about this issue of tithing. I pray, God, that they would bring that, lay that on the altar today. A step of faith, that's a, that's a step of faith. I pray, God, that you would help us all to draw closer to you in faith. Give you all the praise and the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. We're going to sing page 270. Saw, uh, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. Page 270. If God's speaking to your heart this morning,